It's all the files of the whole park. It tells you everything. Sir, he's uploading the virus. Eagle One, the package is being delivered. All right, everyone, it's finally here. And I know it's slightly off-brand, but I do not care. Because who needs cybersecurity when aliens could exist? They could invade. Whatever they are or could be, here at Motherboard, we have one of the best reporters on the UFO beat on the planet, MJ Banias. And recently, he's done some groundbreaking reporting on, well, aliens. But he's done it in such a way that has piqued the interest of skeptics and made something that is normally thought to be conspiracy theory fodder something to take seriously. Today, he's on the show, and I am very excited. My name is Ben Maku, and this is Cyber. MJ, I'm a huge fan. Oh, yeah. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. I, it's, you're, you're the only one. <laughs> I don't think so, man. Those UF stories do well. Like People like them. You know what? People are naturally drawn to UFOs and, and the paranormal. It's, it's just something about us, right? It, it's, I think it's kind of inherent to the human condition. Oh, I, I love aliens. I think it's like the coolest shit. I didn't before, but then, you know, I think it was the one that really got me was, you know, going back to the New York Times story in 2017. I remember I was on a, on a plane, boarding a plane and the story drops. The UFO reports were first investigated by a secret $22 million program part of the Defense Department budget that investigated reports of UFOs. The program has since been shut down, but it was run by a military intelligence official who told CNN they found compelling evidence that we, quote, may not be alone. The New York Times has documentation that the Department of Defense closed down this, like, ultra-secretive program that had alien alloy and all these weird videos. (laughs) And I remember thinking, like, holy shit, is Donald Trump going to be the president that we find out aliens exist? Yeah, I, I'm not sure if that's going to happen. But <laughs> I remember it, it was, you know what, it was a big day because um, what suddenly happened with the dropping of that article was people like me could suddenly start writing for respectable news sources like Vice about UFOs, right? Because before that, you couldn't. Before that, you know, I wrote for um, sort of paranormal news sites that kind of catered to sort of the UFO crowd or the paranormal crowd. And, and they're still sort of, you know, legitimate news sources, but they were predominantly blogs and stuff like that. You got paid very little money to do it. It was, you know, it was work, I guess. Um, but you got to kind of, you know, I, it let me cut my teeth on, on something. Um, but after that 2017 story dropped, suddenly there was a massive interest from publications sort of worldwide to, you know, maybe we should get someone who knows a lot about UFO history or, or, or the UFO community to start writing for us because um, this is a whole avenue of information that, you know, a lot of people don't know a lot about. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of people who do know a lot about it, you know, they're not always the most um, stable people. So you, know, <laughs> right. you, you bump into that weird kind of, you know, well, we can't have the crazy guy who wears a tinfoil hat writing for us because it's just going to get derailed quick. Well, um, well, what's so funny about it, though? I remember that 2017 article kind of like went over this was that other countries like China and Russia admit that UFOs exist. But obviously sure. the United States, Canada, countries with uh, much more of a religious undertone or religious population that has more influence on the policy of the government haven't been as 
open to this kind of concept? And why uh, yeah, is I think that? that? Yeah, I think that's partially true. I mean, you look at a country like Brazil, um, which has released all of its UFO files, even has a, a government organization that that investigates UFO sightings currently. I mean, they're, they're a very Catholic country. Um, so it could be religious. Um, I, I think it has to do primarily with maybe the way just global politics has evolved, have evolved, right? You have in the West, especially the United States and Canada, you know, we were in a cold war like three decades ago with, you know, the Soviet Union and, and all this. So I think that there's a general anxiety to admit that, that, you know, there's things in our airspace that, that we can't identify. Um, and, you know, no one's really saying it's aliens or anything like that, but, you know, dealing with potentially drones or advanced vehicles, you know, by foreign powers, you know, you don't necessarily want to say, yeah, we don't have a grip on that. Um, and cause that tends to frighten people. Um, other nations are a lot more forthcoming for sure. You know, um, a lot of South American countries, Asian countries are much more forthcoming about the fact that, you know, there's vehicles operating in our airspace, and we have no idea what they are, and they're willing to kind of engage in that discourse a little more. Yeah, I agree. In the West here, it's 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 not quite the same. So you wrote an article recently. It was a face melter. <laughs> um, it's called Inside Skinwalker Ranch, a Paranormal Hotbed of UFO Research. Now, you got to tell me. Tell me about the story. Okay, well, um, in... What is the Skinwalker Ranch? We can start there. Sure, let's start there. Um, Skinwalker Ranch is a 512-acre ranch in Utah in, in a place called the Uinta Basin. So it's a sort of valley um, in the middle of Utah. Um, and it's had a long history of, of sort of odd paranormal experiences and, and events. Um, people claim to see strange lights in the sky. People claim to see sort of strange pillars of light emanating from the ground. People claim to see various monsters and 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 ghosts and poltergeist activity. And so you have a lot of stories, right, of the sort of odd paranormal occurrences and UFOs. Um, it was sort of in the 1950s that that the basin became sort of well known. You had um, a couple guys, Dr. Frank Salisbury and, and a guy named Joseph Hicks, write a book, um, and and basically it kind of launched the basin into sort of paranormal stardom. Uh, and then you know the stories just kind of got weirder and weirder. Uh, and it was in the 90s, and this is kind of where where it pops into our sort of current world. Um, in 1996, the ranch was bought by Robert Bigelow of Bigelow Aerospace fame, um, who who is a sort of real estate slash hotel guy meets uh, spaceman. Um, and he bought the ranch in, the, in 1996 um, to study it because of here, he heard all of these strange happenings. Um, he started um, an organization called NIDS or the National Institute for Discovery Science and basically for a few years studied the ranch uh, eventually and this is kind of where the government stepped in uh, we know in around 2007 the defense intelligence agency allegedly um, sent someone to the ranch uh, and visited bigelow there and this individual had a sort of a strange experience on the ranch and returned to his superiors basically saying listen there's something going on here we need to investigate um, and as a result uh, a program called OSAP or the Advanced Aerospace. No, wait. Oh my God. There's so many acronyms. Um, the uh, Ad Advanced Aviation Weapons Systems Program or something to that effect uh, was developed and funded um, at $22 million for roughly 24 months worth of work. And Bigelow was given a check to investigate various odd paranormal slash ufological phenomena. 
And the ranch kind of became a big deal uh, after that. And, and why, then in, yeah, why, go ahead. Like, what did they find there? I, I remember reading stuff about like weird, def, like God, yeah. deformed animals and things like that. Like it was just very, very creepy stuff. Yeah. And again, right. It depends because what, what really we bump into is, is trying to separate the mythology from sort of the objective reality of, of right. what happens on that ranch. Um, so, you know, when Bigelow was owner, you know, you had cases of, of strange cat, even before Bigelow was owner, but sort of in the nineties, you had cases of strange cattle mutilations. Um, you had cases of, of people witnessing odd sort of monstrous creatures roaming around. Um, you had UFO sightings, um, you know, a lot of injuries, people sort of suffering from, from strange illnesses that sort of resembled often like radiation poisoning. So you have this whole host of, of weird stuff, but unfortunately it's all stories. You know, Robert Bigelow has never released any of his, um, scientific research from the days he owned the ranch. Why not? He's, yeah. And that's the big question, right? Um, what we kind of know is, is really all of that research is his. So I guess it's technically proprietary, right? Like it's not, it's not subject to declassification because the government doesn't have it. Um, he has it and he is just a private citizen. Um, so he can choose to share or not. Right. Which is bizarre. Cause you think that someone who goes to these great lengths would then come out with the information they found. Right. And, and so, you know, obviously, you know, it begs a lot of questions. Maybe he found nothing. It was all a big waste of money. Maybe he did find something and he's, you know, keeping it to himself to use it to build, you know, moon bases or something. I don't know. Um, but he sold the ranch in 2016. Um, and again, under sort of mysterious circumstances, nobody really knows why he sold it. There's stories. Um, and it's now currently owned by uh, a company called Adamantium uh, Real Estate Holdings, which is owned by an individual. And that's sort of where we're left off, 2016 to current day. Who's the individual? Owned. I can't tell you that. Um, as a condition of my visit, I had to, um, I have to keep him anonymous at this point. What the fuck, man? This is like, a, it's like a weird, this is like a, literally an episode of X-Files. This is, and you know what, that's <laughs> what it is. Adamantium what? Like, come on. Yeah. What, you, what kind of cloak and dagger shit is that? It's incredibly cloak and dagger. It's very weird. Uh, I have to be honest, it has been a very strange journey for me personally because, you know, I'm not sure if I necessarily buy the stories on the ranch, right? Like I Did you have you a know, good time? Oh, yeah, it was unbelievable. Like bucket list wise, who doesn't want to go to Skinwalker Ranch? Like who doesn't want to go to the most like haunted hotbed of weirdness in the universe? Um everyone does. So it's yeah, it was a it was a blast to go out there. Well, the fact that it's called Skinwalker Ranch, like come on now. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. It's, like, uh, that's a weird ass name. It just is. It's yeah. And this, and again, you know, it speaks to, like I said, the broader aspects of, of anything related to UFOs and the paranormal, right? There's, there's this weird intersection of mythology and reality. Um, and it's impossible to start kind of un, un, unraveling those different strings to kind of see where they lead. Well, um, cause it's just so it's, it's so embedded in the uncanny, which is like a very much a literary concept that we've sort of been dealing with in popular culture for so long. It's just things that are just, it's very off, but it seems realistic. So it lends itself to being fantastical or potentially right. So what we don't know and can't explain becomes something that's very creepy and weird and we need to know more. Yeah, agreed. And and this is really what it what it it means to be human, right? Like humans are naturally into this type of stuff. I think humans are naturally kind of 
curious and, and we're naturally compelled to pursue mysteries and, and we're, we're natural explorers, right? We always want to see what's around the corner or just over that next hill. Um, so, so Skinwalker Ranch and, and all sort of paranormal stories kind of tie into that mystery, right? They're the mystery novel that never ends um, because, you know, fundamentally you're never going to come to a solution, I don't think. Well, you know, listen, I have, I, I, I report a lot on militaries and I've talked to military sources. And one thing that's always been tossed around is that a lot of CF-18 pilots in Canada or, or pilots elsewhere have like been trailed by things or followed by things. And I remember telling a colleague about this like in 2014 and he kind of called bullshit on me. I said, no, it's a weird thing. It's something that some pilots have said. And I don't think it necessarily says that there's UFOs, but there's things out there on the horizon. And sure. then, of course, in this 2017 article that drops, which is, again, a face melter, divulges all this very interesting information surrounding UFOs and, and DOD. But one of the things it drops is this video, which is, you know, these 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 F-18 pilots being followed by this, this sort of crashing in and out of frame dot. The U.S. Navy has finally acknowledged that videos appearing to show UFOs flying through the air are real. They don't call them UFOs. They call them unidentified aerial phenomena. They, these, uh, the several videos they're talking about were recorded years ago by fighter pilots. Then in 2017, they were made public by the New York Times. And then we found out recently that this, there's a video that's even more high definition. It has more, you can, you can see more in the video, and it's being classified under serious national security restrictions by the U.S. government. What is that video, MJ? Yeah, well, that's the big question, because nobody knows, right? The, the, the Pentagon is playing its, its cards very close to its chest. It's not coming out and saying what exactly is, is on it. Um, you know, I've heard rumors, and that's really all I can comment on, right? So this is all purely hearsay. Um, but from what I understand, it, it involves the audio. So you, you hear the pilot chatter, um, you know, which would be an interesting thing to, to be able to listen to as you're watching the video. Hmm. Um, and allegedly some, some pretty interesting, um, maneuvers, let's say that this thing performs now, again, this is, and I want to like be very clear, this is hearsay and these are rumors. So I'm not saying that this is the case. They could have absolutely nothing. Um, you know what I mean? Like they could have the video we have and they're just not releasing it. And, and, and that's it. Um, because they've, you know, already got one out in the public. So, you know, I want to very, be very cautious here. It'd be very, um, risky to just sort of say, Oh no, you know, I know it's, it's high def or whatever. Cause we fundamentally don't. Um, and unfortunately the, you know, the UFO community and, and UFO, I don't know, discourse, let's say, is, is really, really big into like misinformation, right? People kind of know half of the answers. So they start spouting off like they know the whole answer. And all of a sudden, like we've gone down the wrong path. Um, so I, I want to be cautious. But what we know is, is and, and this comes from Louis Elizondo, who used to run the ATIP program for the Pentagon before he retired, or well, resigned, I guess, not retired. Um, you know, there's apparently other videos out there that we don't have yet. Um, there's dozens more of video, other videos of, of odd anomalous objects taken by um, various aircraft or, or taken by, by um, ground units or, or naval units. So, um, you know, there's apparently still stuff out there. Only three got released because they were the most sort of sanitized for release. Which is, um, which is insane. I remember reading that. It was like, those are the ones that are chill. <laughs> yeah, those are the <laughs> those ones, are the that, are ones chill. that like are not going to freak us out. Like it's freaked enough people out. 
Oh, for sure. And I think, you know, there's been a lot of skepticism, which is good. I think we need that critical side to kind of look at those videos and say, well, you know, maybe it's just a drone or maybe it's this or maybe it's that. Um, But, you know, I don't think there has been enough um, sort of skeptical, let's say, evidence, you know, evidence on the more skeptical side to suggest that that we're not dealing with something weird. I mean, when you when you when you listen to the pilots, what they're saying as, you know, this thing is like, for example, in the 2015 video, rotating mid-flight, right? And it doesn't slow down or anything. I mean, you know, most expert pilots and most sort of people who are well-versed in aviation, they teach it, whatever, you know, they know any vehicle that does that mid-flight at that speed would just get ripped apart. Um, yet this thing does it without breaking a sweat. Well, that's um, the thing is that you watch the maneuvering of the, uh, of whatever vehicle this thing is or whatever it is, and it's otherworldly, right? There, it's it's tough to imagine, I guess, like, as while I'm not deep inside the bowels of the Pentagon and I don't know exactly what strange, yeah. horrific, apocalyptic tool Lockheed Martin has thought of next, I can, you yeah. know factually determine with some credible reasoning that whatever was doing that wasn't it's not something that human beings have created and shown the public even slightly (laughs) sure yeah i think that that's kind of where where it's at right we need to kind of come to terms with with the, the the fundamental reality that that um that the stuff we have sort of in the public domain concerning aviation is definitely not um, the cutting edge, right? We're dealing with stuff that that's you know pretty tried, tested, and true, and it's been out for a while now. Um, the real spooky stuff, right, is what's being worked on in, in Skunk Works and, and various um, you know highly classified projects um, that that would you know blow the doors off of the vehicles we have now. They're just not ready for for public release, um, and, and that's kind of the big one. Um, and and it kind of becomes scarier when you think about well. You know, so these guys saw these objects that were maneuvering in ways that were, you know, to them impossible. And it freaked them out. It freaked them out. And, you know, nobody's saying aliens or anything. But what I mean is, you know, let's hope it's it's American tech or British tech. Right. Like, let's hope it's not, you know, Chinese tech or Russian tech or or some other nation that that is, you know, leaps and bounds ahead of us. um, Just simply zooming around our airspace without a care in the world because they can maneuver in ways that that our best can't. Um, you, you know, you, you kind of need to keep that in the back of your brain. Like every time I board an aircraft, I'm like, oh man, like I need a drone flying up my butt. You know what I mean? Like it's just, you know, the concern overall. Um, so yeah. It, yeah. It I mean, but I pause. guess the thing is too, though, is to see sort of like the generations of, of aircraft, we know that they're, every time it, 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 it jumps a generation, it becomes more and more insane to the point of, you know, it's unrecognizable. One time I was on a commercial airliner and i was flying near near colorado i think there's a there's an uh, an air force base there anyway right beside us i mean not extremely right beside us but probably you know i, I you know i, I can't even judge it because it was in the sky close enough where we could see it there was an f-18 or an f-24 or f-22 that was ripping beside us and it was just so like you know you're going in a commercial airliner this is you're going like 800 kilometers an hour right and this this plane beside us was just burning past us oh yeah, yeah. so you know it's it just shows you that the, the jumps in 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 technology that exist that are you know military grade versus consumer grade but even so that that video is just it's scary <laughs> it's very bizarre 
Well, yeah, I mean, and, and that's and that's that's the beauty, right? Because we, we sort of sit here and we're, we're talking about this video and we have no idea what it is, you know, like just just and the Navy's admitted it. Right. The Navy has sort of pointed to it. These three videos that, 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 that have been released, the Navy's pointed to them and basically said, yeah, we have zero clue what these are. Commander David Fravor still can't explain what he says he saw that day. November 2004, the Navy fighter pilot was on a training mission west of San Diego when he was ordered to check out something in the water not far away. On a clear day, over a smooth ocean, he saw the object, waves breaking over it, and says he saw something hovering above it. It's randomly moving north-south, east-west, just random, you know, just stopping, going the other direction, like you could do with a helicopter, but a little bit more uh, abrupt. And it looks like a 40-foot-long tic-tac with no wings. Um, you know, they've, they've classified them as unknown aerial phenomena, um, you know, this is this is this is great stuff for for science fiction and it's great stuff for um you know the, that Tuesday morning article that's like oh that's kind of cool and you know you just don't think about it um until you do you know what i mean and then it kind of hits you and and i've spoken to tons of people who were never into ufo's and i've been doing this for for 6 or 7 years now um i've spoken to tons of people who who were never into ufo's into the paranormal none of it this was just not part of their world and then that article came out in 2017 like you mentioned and now the subsequent stuff about you know the navy basically classifying these videos as 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 being you know images of objects of, that are unknown and whatever suddenly people who are never into ufos now are right because they've thought about it they've said well hold on a second you know like my life was pretty calm and stable and and my airspace was mine and now it's not anymore right like they, they have these freakouts um and so they go to the ufo mystery as a sort of way of trying to answer it um and you know obviously you fall down the rabbit hole right you know you start studying ufos and and you quickly slip into the hole it's aliens or interdimensional beings and just all pandemonium breaks loose in your brain um, i think it'd just be also just it would be just wicked tight man it'd be crazy she would be wild if that came out if we were sitting here I remember I was in I was in uh, Greenpoint, Brooklyn, mm -hmm. and it was December twenty seventh, I think, two thousand eighteen, and there was a huge transformer explosion in Queens, and it okay. turned the sky this like insane like War of the Worlds green, and Twitter just blew up, and it was like freaking out. I thought, you know what? If this is aliens, I can't wait. Let's <laughs> Hopefully, let's see yeah. this. This would be let's incredible. That's right. Until they start feasting on your organs. Or exactly. Something. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not going to yeah. be so, so cool with it. But yeah. OK, so here's another question. I mean, this is something um, that is interesting. Aliens have never I've never been obsessed with them. I thought they're really cool. But then over the past few years, there's been stuff that's come out and you're like, whoa, this is this is of note. So I remember the one thing that piqued my interest even before the 2017 article was when. Uh, so Stephen Hawking said, like before he died, that. Not only was he revising whether aliens existed, he started to say that I think they do, and also, I'm kind of worried about it. Stephen Hawking once said, hey, look, you know, be careful about broadcasting into space because you don't know what's out there, and you're alerting them to the fact that we're here, and who knows, maybe 99% of them are, you know, very peace-loving and, and into poetry and stuff like that, but maybe 1% of them are not. They're hostile, and if you happen to hit those guys, maybe they will, you know, do something terrible like trying to you know, obliterate the earth or something else that would ruin your whole day. That was crazy. Because, <laughs> I mean, as you know, he's much smarter than all of us, or he was much smarter than all of us. W what did you, as a ufologist reporter, what oh. did you make of that? Yeah. 
First of all, I just want to be, I'm not a ufologist. Let's be super clear. I, I, I'm a reporter who reports on weird things. Uf, <laughs> UFO reporter. Sure. Yeah, that, that's fine. <laughs> um, um, you know, it's funny because Stephen Hawking has always been sort of a, a diehard skeptic of, of the UFO phenomenon. And I think he sort of died that. But um, he sort of pointed to history, right? Look what happens when an advanced group stumbles upon a not advanced group um and and you know what what occurs to the the people who who aren't technologically advanced well they usually get assimilated or destroyed in the process so so you know as someone who's been reporting on this now for a while you know his words are interesting um because as humans we we've allocated a significant amount of our time um, through history to contemplating, you know, are we alone in the universe from just basic thought experiments to building giant satellites that pump out radio signals um, and and soak up radio signals in an attempt to find intelligence out there. Um, so we've 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 allocated a good chunk of, of treasure and time and talent to to this sort of search. Um, and and we we need to kind of call into question, I think, the sociological aspects of this, right? Like what happens if we do discover that we are not alone? Um, how does that totally reshape our understanding of ourselves as sort of the superior life on this planet or, or even in our galaxy? Because, you know, we're the only ones we know about. I think the vast majority of scientists uh, who work in, in, in astronomy or physics or anything like that, you know, do have a general belief that you know, life most likely exists elsewhere in the cosmos. It's just too big, right? The the famous sort of Drake equation. Although, um, although there's also the 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 counterbalance to that that some people think that while other life could exist otherwhere in the cosmos, the potential that intelligent life would intersect yeah. with one another is quite low. For sure, yeah. You know, will we ever bump into it? Um, right. And, and and you know, currently my my current philosophical belief system at this moment is no, I, I don't think we, we are going to bump into aliens or, or we have bumped into aliens. I, I don't think that's the case. Well, um, I was going to ask you then. So this is a good way to end this conversation. Cause I, I want to know, sure. do you believe in aliens? Um, no, I don't. Um, that no, is actually kind of shocking. I, I do. I do believe that. Like I said, you know, I'm, I like, like all other scientists, I believe that life is out there somewhere. Um, but you know, do I believe it's coming here? Um, for the express purpose of, of let's say visiting, you know, us. Um, no, I, I don't think it is. Um, but, uh, you know, with that, that's my current belief and I'm fine to kind of caveat it as it's my belief. It's not my knowledge. You know what I mean? So if, if somebody is able to prove it to me otherwise and say, you know, yeah, here's evidence of, of aliens visiting earth, I will, you know, quickly change my belief. Um, so long as they can prove it, you know, you know, like it's, you know, I was born in a, a religious family. So for me, a dead Jewish carpenter came back to life. So, you know, who knows what's possible, right? Um, a lot of things can happen. <laughs> well, there you have it. I thought, I, you know what? I thought you were going to be an aliens guy. No way, man. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm into it. I think it's, I think there's something out there. I think there's something going on. I don't know yeah, what it is, is, but it's not, yeah. it's not kosher. <laughs> I, well, I'm fine. I'm fine with that. I'm fine to say maybe something's going on. I'm just not sure if it's like meat suit aliens from another planet. You know what I mean? Jumping in their flying saucers flying here. Like, I don't think that's a thing. Yeah, it could I don't, be something. I think something maybe weird is happening. Something paranormal-ish. I don't know. Well, that's what I mean. I think there's something paranormal-ish. I, I think whatever it is, if it is aliens, or if that is the case, yeah. I don't think it's the traditional view of it that we have. You know, no, like a little no. green manner like that. I don't think that. And I don't think right. it's like that's what that ex-Canadian defense minister called those like tall grays or whatever it is. 
Yeah, no, no. I, if I was going to say, yeah, I, I would side more on that. Like, I, I think when people ask me, do you believe in aliens? I, I always defer to no, because people's when they say aliens, they mean like, you know, gray aliens from the X-Files. I, I don't think, like I said, I don't think that's what's going on. It, it might be something stranger. You know what I mean? Yeah, something I think it's weird. Definitely. I think yeah. it could be something as weird as like, again, something multidimensional. We just don't understand in yeah. our universe. I and, really want it to be like traditional aliens because I can like invite them over for supper and like, or we just have like a battle royale, you know, like I think what, what better way to unite humanity away from its, its bullshit than to fight one other species. Yeah. So long as they're like equal to us. You'd yeah. Be like yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to, I mean, I want to be a fair fight if we're going to do that. Yeah. It has to be fair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not like signs, not like the movie signs. Well, you know, that's such a, I hate that movie because they're allergic to water and they invade a planet made mainly of water. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't I mean, make sense. It doesn't make it any rains sense. They're dead. I don't know. It's, it actually, the movie itself is good until you find out about the aliens. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. All of the stuff leading up to it, you're kind of like, this is amazing. It's like, that's, it's almost how people would react in some sort of insane invasion type event. And even the way they like describe sort of the slow movements of the, you know, the, the, the way the aliens do their military, militaristic tactics in order to, to take over the planet. I've had two separate folks tell me there've been strangers around these parts last couple nights. Can't tell what they look like. Because they're staying in the shadows, covert-like. Nobody's been hurt, mind you. And that's the giveaway. I see. It's called probing. It's a military procedure. You send out a reconnaissance group, very small, check things out. Not to engage, but to evaluate the situation. Evaluate the level of danger. Make sure things are all clear. Clear for what? for the rest of them. It's, it seems believable. And then yeah. it's like water and uh, your mom from heaven saved us. Yeah, it's it, M. Night Shyamalan really has these great buildups to these awful endings sometimes. You know, I really liked The Village until I realized what Absolutely. The Village was. And Absolutely. it made me so angry. I'm with you. I thought The Village was yeah. scary until then. And I'm like, really? Like that's... Yeah, just Joaquin Phoenix? Uh, whatever. Oh, <laughs> you know? Exactly. You're just like, what? Yeah. How is this a thing? Anyway, uh, MJ, you're coming on again. We need to do this. Is this is my ongoing favorite beat? So, let me listen, tell this is my only beat. So yeah. I would be honored to come on anytime. I mean, I'm not. A, I don't report on this stuff. I'm just a pure, unadulterated fuckboy fanboy for this. I think it's amazing. You know what? It's taken me to meet interesting people and do interesting things. So um, it has. It's the coolest job in the world. Um, so yeah, listen. It's, it's, I, I'd be honored to be on the show to talk about aliens anytime you want. MJ, we'll speak again. Thank you very much. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. All right, Jason, 
I'm gonna preface this one because I know you guys are breaking a ton of scoops on this. It's amazing. But this whole story of the Iowa caucus is making me feel insane because I think even as a reporter, when I'm looking at Twitter, I'm like, am I missing something? Why the fuck haven't these results been been reported? Yeah. It's, it's like 61, 71% two days after the fact. Canada does this better than you guys. Yeah, it's been a disaster. Um, it's been an unmitigated I, disaster to use we, President Trump's spent, terms. Yeah, I mean, we've spent the last 48 hours and probably, yeah, like 40 of those 48 hours I've been working on this story. <laughs> I've slept very little. Oh, yeah. Uh, trying to figure out what went wrong in Iowa. And we're not exactly sure because there's the official story and then there's the, you know, what what actually happened story. And I think the truth is somewhere in between. So the, the long and short of it is Monday night, uh, Iowa had caucuses, which are different from a primary election. And as part of these caucuses, they used an app. The app was called Iowa Reporting App or Iowa Caucus App, I forget, um, which is bad because we're the only people who have uh, seen and downloaded the app. Uh, but in any case, they had a generic name like Iowa Caucus App. And it was made by a firm called Shadow Inc., which uh, speaks some for itself. It's we don't some, even need to dive into It's some broke-ass James Bond villain shit, man. It's awful. It's very bad. It's and so bad. Uh, the Iowa Democratic Party asked the caucus precinct chairs to use this app to basically calculate the votes. Because it's so hard. Yeah, so, well, so caucuses are super complicated, and I'm not going to pretend to be an expert in how caucuses work, but basically you, like, stand in a room, and then you stand in groups according to who you would like to vote for. And you do this a first round, and then if you don't get over, if your candidate doesn't get over 15% of the vote, right? then that candidate is unviable, mm -hmm. and the people who fall, who support, like, yeah. below that have to go do a second choice. And so this app was given to the caucus chairs, precinct chairs, that's what they're called, the people who run the caucus. And they were supposed to write down how many people were at the caucus and then how many people voted in the first round and how many vo people voted in the second round. And then they were supposed to use this app to send the results to the Iowa Democratic Party, which was then going to send that information off to the media, which is uh, how they sort of calculate like who won. And the reason why it's been delayed, it's two days later and we don't know why, is because the app malfunctioned. And so they have, thank God, a paper backup, which is, you know, it's best practices. Like this is a really important thing that they had a paper backup and that's the official tally is this is the paper trail. Okay, but how is, I'm sorry, even with the paper trail, how is it still taking this long? So uh, on caucus night, after everything closed, people were supposed to use this app to to report it, what happened, and the app malfunctioned. And so they were calling to, into this hotline, like with their phone, to report what happened. But then there were so many people calling that people were waiting on hold for hours and hours at a time. So they were unable to count that way. So I talked to a precinct chair who drove paper to like the county office, and that's how they uh, collated the votes. And so here we are two days later, and I'm not sure why it's taking so long. Like, frankly, that hasn't been a huge part of our reporting. Our yeah. reporting has been like, what was this app? Who made it? What yeah. went wrong? And like, why the, motherboard the angle. Yeah, why yeah. did this happen? And so 
the reason why this app exists is because of people like you and frankly people like me who want to know what happened like immediately like right away yeah uh obviously reporting through a um paper trail takes a little bit longer so the thought was like okay download this app send over the uh results and we'll send them to msnbc and fox and all these people and they'll call someone call the uh they'll call the election they'll call the primary for whoever uh won like within an hour or so and that's just not what happened so shadow's ceo we talked to him earlier today and he told us that basically the app functioned properly that it calculated the votes correctly, but that when they were sending it over to a server controlled by the IDP, the Iowa Democratic Party, it was like a data formatting error basically caused red flags to go up. And then they were like, okay, we just have to invalidate it. And then they this shut a, down the whole thing. This is a so it's a big mess. Yeah. And so the thing is that during while the, all this was happening on Monday, no one knew who Shadow was. Like the Iowa Democratic Party didn't say who made the app what it was called, how it was distributed. And we've determined through our reporting and other people's reporting that it was basically the worst possible rollout of all time. So the uh, CEO of Shadow told us that they basically like finalized the app within a couple of days of the end of the caucus. Wow. They tested it, but like clearly they didn't test it enough because there were problems that, with it. And there are also... Uh, volunteers like the caucus chairs who didn't get instructions on how to use the app until the night before. So that's crazy. Like here you are. And also they distributed it via test flight and test ferry, which test ferry is something you use to distribute test versions of Android apps Ugh, and test flight Jesus. is for iOS. So when you download this app, you have to download a separate app that like allows you to download that app onto your phone. So it's very complicated. And then when you actually try to install this app, there's a big pop-up that says, hey, this could be malware. Do you, Are you sure you want to install it? Wow, so it's just, just really just like I, amateur I, I got to say like, like it's major amateur hour. Like the Democrats, the fact that this is now another story in the 2020 election cycle we're getting into where It's a huge unforced error. It's a Someone huge unforced error. It's massive. Democrats quote, opened a can of whoop ass on themselves. Yeah, they and it's did. Like, and it's like the, the first time that most people you're seeing, Laura Ingraham did a tweet the other day. And it was like, she's like, she literally said like, how can we trust the Democrats with, with the presidency or the government when they, this is the shit they pull. And you're kind of like, you know, maybe you're right. Like this is, this is literally that bad. It, it's, yeah. it's that bad. And, and it's also just something that the party cannot afford and then let alone all of the weird conspiracy theories going along into it. Well, that's the thing is launched a thousand conspiracy theories. And I mean, they're right because there's been no transparency around this app. Like it and hasn't there are been some released. Weird, there are some and, weird connections. Yeah. Pete Buttigieg's campaign is like donated to the, or use this company. Yeah. Um, there's some weird like. Biden angle as well. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't. I don't want to get too into those because I don't know a whole lot about them. It's I don't either. It's more of a political a angle. But from but the cybersecurity perspective, we were able to obtain a copy of the app. As far as I know, we're the only news outlet that has a copy of the app, the android.apk file. And so we've been spending a lot of time over the last couple of days uh, sending it to security researchers and asking them to probe it and look into it. So what they learned is that it was an app that was built on React Native, which is an app building platform, an open source app building platform made by Facebook. It's a pretty common 
that's there's nothing wrong with using it, but it's like a pretty off the shelf, like basic thing that a lot of different apps use. Uh, and then it just implements a bunch of different libraries. Like it uses something called OAuth for authentication. It uses uh, something called Google Cloud Functions for like its its backend databases. And what we learned is that it's like this is a it's a really simple app. Like it doesn't have the it's not hardened in the way that you'd want an election app to be hardened. Well, I was going to well, say, first I mean, of all, you wouldn't want an election app at all. Like yeah. every major cybersecurity election security expert says, don't. Use don't ads. digitize this. Don't yeah. digitize this. I anyway. mean, that's that's sort of the thing I'm asking. Is like, okay, so not, not only is it sort of simplistic code, but we're using it for this thing for a problem. I think your headline originally, one of your first stories on this was the Democrats made a problem where there, where there wasn't one essentially, and that's kind of it, right? Like, you know, when this didn't happen, 2008. Yeah, or any other time. And I talked to a precinct chair who said that they're like, hey, look. I've been doing this for 20 years. This has never happened before. Why did it have to happen? Why did it have to happen now? And, and of all elections to pull this shit in, the one that the Democrats have been teeing up now for like four years in the most serious possible way, and they open it up with this. It's just, it's, I guess it's, it's one of those stories where you see how people are still not cyber literate, for lack of a better term, and they're they're implementing things in a way. Right. So to log into this app, like that is not needed, it's not yeah. kosher, man. Like, how are we still doing this in twenty twenty? To log into and use this app, it you needed a precinct number, which is six digits. You need a two factor identification code or two factor code authorization code. You needed a two factor code, which was six digits, and you needed a PIN number, which was also six digits, and they were all kind of sent to people at at the same time. So it's like you're asking people, many of whom probably aren't super digitally literate, uh, to install an app that your phone says is malware, and then you or could be malware, and then use three different six-digit codes to log into it, and then submit you know all this stuff. So it's it's a big mess, and like just to be, I mean, we're publishing big stories on this right now, and the app should be available for people to download and look at by the time you're listening to this on Vice. So go check it out. Um, all I'll say is that I'm a little scattered right now because literally we've been pushing on this since Tuesday and like just heard back from editors and all that sort of thing about how we're gonna roll this out. So I gotta go do that. Okay, well, that, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for listening. Take a look at our Iowa, Iowa caucus coverage because it's tight. This week's episode was recorded by Brian Arnold, produced and edited by Ricardo Contreras, and voiced by me, Ben Maku. And you'll be hearing from us next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 